worship collective. Thank you. Folks, have a seat. The Lord be with you. My name is Stephen Poor. I'm one of the co-pastors here at Common Table, and I'm just so stoked. Can I say that, Nikki Bacon? I'm so stoked that you're here today. Um, I don't think there's any mistake that you've arrived and you're hearing a good word on this Transfiguration Sunday. We're going to unpack what that means in a few minutes. But I do want to welcome you if you're new. I know that coming to church can be scary. Um, I, I realize that church can be a, a scary place. Maybe you've had scary experiences. Maybe you've read scary things. Um, but I can promise you that Common Table is a safe space. We're a space that affirms the whole person <laughs> of all people. And um, we hope you experience the good affirmation of a loving God a loving God that wants to meet you this morning. It's transfiguration, after all. And that very God wants to meet you in powerful ways because the sun has shone upon you, which we'll read a little later. But before we get there, I want to know, what is a creature comfort you have? What is something that brings you comfort? Maybe it's your mama's mac and cheese. Maybe it's a weighted blanket. Maybe it's armchair expert when you're going to sleep. What is a comfort you can't live without? Go ahead and discuss with your neighbors. 30 seconds. Introverts, it's just 30 seconds. Extroverts, it's just 30 seconds. Okay, go ahead and talk to one another. <laughs> All right, come on, come on. All right, listen, Devin and I are weirdos. We book an Airbnb, um, and we bring our own coffee grinder. Um, yeah, thank you. People who like coffee get it. Um, but not only that, we bring our own bedding um, to this Airbnb. Not only that, we bring our own um, pillows, yep, and we bring our Apple TV to this Airbnb. <laughs> we basically bring our entire house <laughs> When we travel, um, it's just because we love comfort. And my hunch is, is that you love comfort too. Someone mentioned to me, my buddy Austin, he says, I find comfort in my Sunday nap. Well, good news. It's about to come over the next 20 minutes as I teach. <laughs> Do you know what's really hard about comfort? Um, making change. <laughs> When you're comfortable, when we're comfortable, we avoid change at all costs. We fight against change. See, the problem with staying comfortable is this. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And I want to take this moment. <laughs> Everybody's pointing at me. People are like, Casey's in the back. Kids, go ahead and you're dismissed. You won't get to take a nap during this sermon. Get on out of here. Somebody say amen. I'm going to write down names. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are, as one author noted. You see, the, the single hardest thing about comfort is that it clouds our perception of needed change. Think about it for a moment. I bet at some point you've held a particular view, maybe political, maybe a, a stereotype based on race, maybe a particular theological position. 
And the only reason you shifted your worldview is that you had a personal experience with someone else. Maybe it's not of you. Maybe it's a habit that you found comfort in. Going back to that webpage, spending too much. Whatever the addiction may be, we, we find comfort in it. <laughs> and it's not until it affects someone else that we see our need for change. And Al-Anon, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, they call it rock bottom. And that's a powerful moment when we hit rock bottom. Because it catalyzes us outside of our comforts and into the necessary change for the betterment, not just of ourselves, but the people that our comfort oftentimes affects. Have you ever thought about that in your own life? You see, it wasn't until you were confronted with the they that you decided to change the you. And change is necessary to embody the invitation of uh, transformation. Henry Nouwen, um, a great, great teacher, thinker, theologian, mystic, writes this. Living a spiritual life requires a change of heart, a conversion, so to speak. Such a conversion may be marked by a sudden inner change, or it can take place through a long, quiet process of transformation. But it always involves the inner experience of oneness, becoming one with your heart, your spiritual life, recognizing your comfort and oneness with your neighbor. The Transfiguration, our text today, closes out the series of Epiphany. This is the last Sunday of Epiphany, and coincidentally, the last Sunday of our series, Echoes. And it couldn't be more appropriate text, because for echoes to reverberate in our world, for real revival to take place, it really does require action and change. We don't have time to believe that our comfort, a location, a tent, a place and time and space is more important than the task that we've been given by Christ to go, to go and make disciples. Right after Jesus predicts his own death, the Gospel of Matthew records that Jesus took Peter and James and John onto a mount and that he was transfigured before them. And his face, the text says, shone like the sun and his garments became white as light. At this moment, Moses and Elijah, people from the Old Testament, um, appeared and they were talking. This is a weird story. But the Bible is weird. <laughs> I mean, who are we kidding? Anyways, uh, Moses and Elijah appeared and they were talking with Jesus. Peter, misunderstanding the meaning of this manifestation, he offered to make three tents for Elijah, Jesus, and Moses to party in. 
A bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud stated, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen, this is really important. Underline it if you have a Bible or you have an app. Listen to him. And at this, the disciples fell on their faces in awe, but Jesus encouraged them to what? Get up. Don't be afraid. Let this empower you to go. I'm not going to lie. I too would be afraid. And I really can't explain this metaphysical perspective, this moment in scripture. It's just that weird. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to act like a pastor that has all the answers. I don't have answers to this weird text. But I do want to continue to share. Here's what we know. They go onto the side of the mount, and Elijah and Moses appears and have a conversation with Jesus. In the Old Testament, both Elijah and Moses, they go onto the side of a mount to have a unique experience with God. Like Jesus and like the disciples here, Elijah goes onto the side of a mount. After Israel had fallen for false prophets, And he leads the Israelites people to reaffirm their commitment to God and not the comfort of false prophets, gods, like Baal, Baal. Moses, of course, went on to the side of a mount after God liberated the Israelites from Egyptian slavery and received the conditions necessary to become a people with laws and practices that would lead to their thriving in this new wandering desert. This is, of course, after complaining five times up to this point, wanting to go back to the comfort of Egypt. It would be better for us to go back to Egypt. At least there we had food and and water. We were comfortable there. Things were easy There, we showed up on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and we sang songs that we all knew and we loved and it was fun. They even had lasers on stage. It's comfortable. It's like Target when you walk into the doors. I'm greeted with coffee and donuts from Sugar Shack. Thank you for those lovely donuts. We are very grateful and our bellies are full of sugar. It's so comfortable. Why would we ever change this? Why would we ever leave this place? I'm a common table person, you see. (laughs) You get the point. Matthew loves to use Moses typology and he's attempting to get the Israelite people in first century Judaism to make the connection that this is a new Moses Jesus that's leading people into a promised land. One where all people get to experience the goodness of God's good grace. Sounds great, right? So why would we want to make a bunch of tents and keep this good news to ourselves? Do we not see our own glory shining bright? Do we not see ourselves as worthy of carrying such hopefulness into our workplace, into our academic studies? Do we really think we can stay comfortably in our own spiritual homes of our heart, my personal salvation with Jesus? 
and think that we can actually propagate change in our neighbor's world and their lives? Of course not. Do we really think we can say thoughts and prayers when the world needs physical action and change? In the Talmud, Pirkei Avot section, there's this Jewish saying. It says, speak little, but do much. Don't build tents when Jesus is saying, go and make disciples. Don't do it. Don't wield the sword and cut off your enemy's ear when Jesus is telling you to heal. Don't do it. Don't stay asleep and grab brunch with your friends on a Sunday when Jesus has told you to gather, to be encouraged, but to be sent. Do we really think How about this? Don't carry your comforter to an Airbnb when Jesus said, pick up your cross and carry it. You see, this is a movement. This isn't a monument. I'm going to say that again. This is a movement that is taking place. This isn't a monument for your own comfort. This isn't a tent-dwelling place. Revival is great. We're grateful. I've been praying for revival, not just in our nation, not just at Asbury. I've been praying for revival in our world. It's a good and hopeful thing. But if it doesn't catalyze movement, then it's just tent building. <laughs> Are you with me? Then it's just Christian exceptionalism. We have the place. We have the stuff. And if you're not here... You're not really a part of this movement, this, this moment, this monument. And that's dangerous territory. I want to see revival in our hearts as Christian people that compels us to go to the places that we would otherwise route our GPS around. I would like to see such revival in our hearts and in our minds that we might consider that revival is taking place in other parts of the world, not just here in America. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying, Alan? But are we, are we just, gosh, are we just complacent because of our comfort? I think that's what the transfiguration is attempting us to see today. We'd be making a mistake if we read today's scripture and made it all about Jesus' divinity, which it is. It is about that, but it's not just about this. Because in Matthew 13, 43, check what it says. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. This just isn't about Jesus' divinity on the, on the, on the mount. This is about what God wants to do in you. The light that is shining in you if you allow it. In other words, the big things that God wants to accomplish in us always happens through us. 
You may have heard the phrase, you're flying too close to the sun. I want to tell you that you're not flying close enough. You're too comfortable. I'm too comfortable. And Jesus is saying, get up. Don't be afraid. There's much good news to give our neighbors. There's so much hopefulness and joy and inclusion and forgiveness and mercy for you, for your comfort, for your addictions. For the places you'd rather not go because you're afraid. Get up. Go. And make disciples. Because I think that is the paradoxical nature of following God. That when we obey God, we in effect disobey ourselves. When we obey God, we disobey ourselves. So be some spiritual, disobedient people. Three things I want you to practice this week for transfiguration, transformation, revival to take place. I'm going to invite the band up. One, get out of your comfort zone and practice one, just one of the teachings of Jesus this week. We're going to send them out to you via social media so that you can have a list that you can practice, but I'm going to just name a few today. Make disciples, Jesus says. Receive God's power, Jesus says. Feed my sheep, Jesus says. Love your neighbor. Bring in the poor. I don't know what the in is for you. Maybe it's your inner friend group. Maybe it's physically into your home. I don't know. Love your enemies. Who do you need to reconcile with? Go a second mile if someone asks you to carry their pack for one mile. Let your light shine. Number two, do something courageous this week. Share about the good news of this kingdom come. This transfiguration that has taken place in your own life that is causing you to shine bright. Tell someone about what God is doing, not here in the tent, but here in the heart. Finally, listen to God. Remember what the Talmud says. Say less. Do more. Listen. That's what God says when he speaks about Christ. Listen to him. Listen. Listen. Make time this week to listen. Ask God specifically to show up. To share something new with you. A new revelation. A new hope. A new revival. In the name of the three in one. Amen.